Let's just go with the, there we go. Thank you, Jill and Selena. They, apparently, they do such a good job. They need to be thanked three times. Uh, and thank you to Emily as well for being one of the team teachers uh, down there. They've been doing uh, team teaching down there for several years, and I think it is a great service to our children for them to see multiple people that love Jesus uh, and want to communicate that message each uh, and every week. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you this evening, open to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to continue talking about our uh, One Another series here on Sunday nights. And uh, as Pastor Dan said, this is an important time for us as a body to just gather together uh, and, and to encourage one another and to fellowship one another. Uh, and I am so thankful for the way that uh, the different uh, elders have been teaching through uh, some of these one another's. Uh, and I am thankful as well that on a night when we get to hear about our children's ministry, we get to talk about being kind to one another. Uh, what a great testimony that is. So in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, we're going to really be looking at verse 32, but I want to read a couple verses ahead of that. So we're going to start in verse 17. Now I say this and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. And then jumping down to verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. And our verse that we're focusing on, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Our first point that I want us to think about this morning is, is that this whole passage of Scripture is challenging us to be different. As followers of Christ, we are called to be different from the world around us. And, and this small section of Scripture is really uh, the working out of verse 17. Verse 32 doesn't make sense if we don't really think about verse 17. That challenges us that we must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. All throughout the New Testament, we see repeatedly that the gospel is supposed to change us. Our lives are supposed to be different. It's supposed to mold us and make us into the image and likeness of our Savior. It's why we're studying the one another's. This is how God commands us to live as his ambassadors. This is the heart of our Sunday night series that we're looking at together. How we should be changed by the gospel message. How we should serve one another and love one another and be kind to one another. These things should be evident because the gospel hope that is within us. And I love when our teaching times dovetail with one another. We had this opportunity uh, in, in our elders meeting where some of this came up in our, de our deacon's devotion. Pa Pastor Tim, uh, in, in the sovereignty of God, oftentimes arranges his, te his teaching schedule so it works well with what the rest of us are talking about. And we really appreciate how he does that and makes all of that work out. Actually, sometimes it's just the Holy Spirit that works those things out. But, but his message this morning dovetails very well with what we are looking at this morning. This morning, Pastor Tim shared that when we don't live what we teach and preach, we discredit the Word of God. And that's at the heart of what we're talking about here tonight. We are supposed to be changed by the gospel message. And if we're not living and teaching what we say that we believe, what, the, what sound doctrine truly is, 
then we are discrediting the word of God. This means that we're supposed to constantly be in the, in the habit of putting off an old self, the old sinful self, from before we knew Christ. And we're supposed to be putting on the new self. As children of the Lord, who are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, our lives must be different. We know that Christ died for our sins. That he was raised again on the third day. And that his resurrection is the guarantee of our salvation. And it is our hope of eternal life to come. Because he has victory over sin and death and the grave. And so when we know that, we are changed. 2 Corinthians 3.18 shares this. And we all with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Likewise, we also see in 1 John 3, verses 2 through 3, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is, and everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. You see, the gospel immediately changes us. It changes our eternal destiny, and it immediately changes us, but it also continues to change us as we walk with our Savior. If you say that you're a follower of Christ, all over Scripture we see that if we say that we're a follower of Christ, but you look, think, and act like the world around you, there's a problem. You see, because we know the world around us has a broken worldview. It has a broken Mind And it functions on the level of that brokenness and sinfulness. It's sometimes difficult for us to remember that because of sin, everything around us is affected. Our passage reminds us that the world around, around us is, is walking in the futility of their minds. They're darkened in their understanding, the passage says alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. Pastor Tim spoke a few years ago on the the noetic effects of sin, how how sin has, has so affected us that even our thinking, our logic, and our mind is flawed and affected by sin. And even so, the, the, the beauty of the gospel and the glorious act that God himself did for us to save us is foolishness to those who don't know Christ because their minds cannot comprehend what Christ has done for us. And we see this every day in our culture. We look around and we see the brokenness. We look around and we see uh, how sin has affected everything. But this is not unique or new to our culture. In Isaiah 5.20, we read this. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put, dark, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Thousands of years ago, the world was still filled with people who were calling darkness light and calling light darkness. They were calling good bad and bad good. This is not new to us. But it does weigh heavy on us that know the Lord. You see, we, we, get, we grow weary of, of living in a world where, where good is called evil and evil is called good. Where things that should be sweet to us as, 
called bitter. It is exhausting. And so oftentimes we say to ourselves or to, or to one another, they act like they don't know right from wrong. And it's because they don't. And we shouldn't be surprised that they don't. So you see, the problem is sin. And not only is it vile and displeasing to God, but we need to understand that the biggest problem that sin causes in our lives is that it separates us from our Heavenly Father. We know that as followers of Christ. We know that sin separates us from God. But oftentimes when we look at the world around us, we don't see them as people that are separated from a loving God. We see them as people who are caught up in wretchedness, brokenness, sin. Verse 18 tells us that they're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. It's too easy for us to see the broken, sinful world around us and oftentimes only think about how it makes me and my family sad, how it, how it affects me and my family and my friends. We see the brokenness and, and it causes us to, to think about, well, how does that affect us? And we forget about the, that these are lost souls alienated from their God who loved them enough to send Christ to die for them. These men and women created in the image of God have continued in their rebellion against their creator, shaking their fist and, and denying what Christ has done for them. But we are called to be light in the dark world. And God has placed First Baptist Church here for a reason. He has placed you in your community for a reason. He has placed you in your school or peer group for a reason. And so as we study the one another's of Scripture in this series, we should realize that we have been given a very simple pattern to follow. So tonight, we're challenged to be kind. And I want us to understand that when we say be kind, we need to act as if the gospel depends on it. Because it does. Because the gospel is supposed to change us. And we are supposed to be different and so we need to examine our lives and, and say, in Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through me, would people around me say that I am kind? You see, even as believers, we need to understand that sin will destroy us if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to rule in our hearts and lives. Look at what verse 31 says. It says, let all bitterness and wrath, anger and clamor and slander be put away. Only when we do that, only when we allow the Holy Spirit to do that work in us, can we be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. You see, kindness, compassion, forgiveness, these characteristics must flow from the life of a follower Christ. That's what should flow from us. Kindness that, the kindness that we're to demonstrate is the kindness that God showed to us. In Romans 2.4 we read, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? We are supposed to demonstrate God's kindness to the world. And God's kindness is the same kindness that he showed me and led me to repentance. 
It's the same kindness that he showed you when he led you to repentance. So in Ephesians 4, when we are commanded to to be kind to one another, we're literally commanded to keep on becoming kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving to one another. Keep on becoming what you have already been made in Christ Jesus. When the gospel breaks into our life, when the light of the world comes into our life, we are immediately changed, and yet we are still constantly becoming more and more like him. But unfortunately, in our society right now, kindness is a dying trait. In fact, in the political world and and even in some business situations, kindness and tenderheartedness are viewed as weakness. They're not to be applauded. They're to be weeded out from your life. But we can't give in to the pressure of the world. We must submit ourselves to the plan and command of our Lord. In 1 Peter 2, we read in verses 11 through 12, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when, you, when they speak of you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. You and I, as followers of Christ, are called to be different. And that differentness, which can be shown in kindness and tenderheartedness and forgiveness of one another, should point others to Christ. Our differentness is a testimony of the transformative power of the gospel in our lives. But we must choose. Will we feed our fleshly nature? Or will we feed our spiritual nature in, in, and follow the Holy Spirit in our lives? D.L. Moody has a quote that I've always appreciated. He says, Our real battle is not with people around us, but with passions within us. I have more trouble with D.L. Moody than with any man I know. You see, the problem isn't out there. The problem, is in my, the problem is in my own heart. Because no matter what the world around us is doing, the power of the Holy Spirit gives me the ability to be kind and show compassion and be tender-hearted and to be forgiving. Why? Because in Christ, I have all of those things. He has done all of those things for me. And so I must understand that ultimately we must never forget that you have been forgiven. How are we able to be kind and compassionate and tender-hearted toward others? Never forget that you have been forgiven. Why did Paul have such a love for those around him? Because Paul knew from whence he came. Paul knew that he was a wretched sinner who deserved condemnation. And yet, by the grace of God, God demonstrated his love for Paul and for me and for you in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So when you look at the lost world around you, does your stomach grow sickened by what you see? Or does your heart become tender-hearted and overwhelmed with compassion And want to see them come to know Christ. And no longer be alienated from God. 
I'm not saying we should stop calling sin, sin. And I'm not saying that there is no in-between, but the reality is that too many Christians have decided that it's okay to be unkind to the lost world around us. Because after all, they're at enmity with God, so I should be at enmity with them as well. No. God calls us to be tender-hearted and kind to one another. And the way that we love one another as a body of Christ and are kind to one another should be evidence of the gospel change that can happen in a person's life. Let us not forget, my sin grieves our holy God. And so does yours. And yet, God loved us enough to send his only begotten son to save us. Were it not for the forgiveness of the Lord in my life and in your life, we would be right there with the world around us. So let us be people of kindness, people of tender-hearted compassion, people who are willing to be patient with one another, because that is what Christ has done for us. We are called to be different from the world. We are called to be kind to one another. We are called to be tender-hearted toward one another and forgiving of one another, because we know that Christ has done all of that and so much more for all of us as well. So when we gather on these Sunday nights, we should be practicing loving one another, being kind to one another, and being tender-hearted to one another. And even when someone talks in the middle of your sermon, you have to be kind. (laughs) Because that is what God has done for us in Christ. In just a moment, I'm going to pray for our uh, fellowship time together. I, I hope that when we gather at the end of the evening on nights like this, that, that we are talking about more than just uh, the weather or our favorite sports team or how the Lions made a great draft this year. Uh, I hope that we're talking about the messages that Tim has been preaching from Titus. I hope that we're talking about the importance of teaching and preaching sound doctrine. I hope that we're talking to one another about how important it is for us to be kind toward one another. Talk about those things that are hurting you. Talk about those pains that we have. Because as we love one another on nights like this, it it prepares us to live in a world uh, that is at odds with us and show kindness and love and compassion to them. A couple of announcements as we uh, are going to be heading out to continue our fellowship. Uh, we do want to always remind parents that, uh, that, that children must be with you when they're going through the line uh, and those kinds of things, and they can't be wandering through the building unsupervised. Tonight we're going to try something new. Uh, the weather is beautiful, so just like uh, they did at Awana, we blocked off part of the parking lot on the west entrance. Uh, and, and so there's going to be uh, a, the chance for kids to be out there uh, to play. We encourage you to have at least one of your parents there to uh, be supervising that as well. And you can fellowship with the other parents uh, while you're, we're out there. Um, but also, uh, we, we just want to say that that's a great place then for the kids to be loud and be kids-like and run and yell and, uh, and, and scream. And then the, 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 the adults can also continue fellowshipping. Uh, in the gymnasium as well. Let me pray for our time uh, together and continued fellowship and for the food that we are going to enjoy together. Father, thank you for 
your tender-hearted compassion and kindness toward us. Were it not for your loving kindness, we would be lost, condemned, and you would be just for sending us to hell separated from you forever. But your grace and your mercy is evident in the cross of Christ who took my sin and the sin of all who believe so that we might have a a relationship with you forever. Thank you, Lord, for your kindness to us. May we be a people who are marked by kindness. May they see the way we interact as brothers and sisters in Christ and see that there is something different and unique. And not that it is us, but only the power of the Holy Spirit in us that could make that happen. May the world see Christ more fully because of the way that we are kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving of one another. Father, now we pray as we continue our fellowship with food and time together in the gymnasium. May the fellowship continue to be sweet. May you be honored and glorified. May we have conversations, Lord that draw us deeper into a relationship with you. May we bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. May we rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And may we be your people. And may it all be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. See you.